Macworld Podcast number 419 for August 6, 2014, brought to you by Citrix ShareFile and Lynda.com. Welcome to another Macworld Podcast. Uh, I am not Chris Breen, as he is out on a different beach somewhere enjoying a well-deserved vacation. Instead, I am his co-host, Serenity Caldwell, and I'm here today with, uh, with a new co-host, a guest co-host of my very own, and that is... I'm Dan Frakes, one of the Dans. Chances are, if you were going to have a substitute co-host, it was going to be named Dan, right? It is, yes. I think there's a, what, a 40-something percent chance? I'm bad with percentages here. (laughs) There are six six of us, and three of them are Dans. So I guess a 50% chance, actually. That's creepy. Unfortunately, today on the Macro Podcast, you have two editors who are editors for a reason and not mathematicians. Um, We promise that we will, you know, become slightly less... Uh, poor at math if required to do so in some future profession. Uh, but for now, we're going to stick to the uh, the words of the day. Uh, and in, in that case, our words are going to be about some of the some of the news stories that we've been seeing uh, today around the uh, around the Apple sphere. Um, so, Dan, uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about is actually uh, Apple's advertising campaigns. And of course, a lot's been made over the years about the the types of advertising that Apple likes to do and where what directions they like to go in. And uh, the most recent ad that they uh, that they just released is called Dreams. And it, uh, it follows up on uh, a series of similar ads that I believe started with uh, the the rereading of uh, Dead Poets Society uh, with that the beautiful sweeping music and uh, seeing everybody using different apps and overcoming adversity and uh, Apple has been releasing a, a fair amount of these these ads in recent in recent months and Dreams is the latest and Dreams is all about people using the iPhone 5s and iOS apps to achieve their passion. Uh, whether that's flying a plane or uh, helping a sick horse. Uh, and I I um I watched the ad this morning and I actually I was really I've been really impressed by by Apple's entire campaign here. It feels very sweet, very genuine, very much uh, kind of like a uh, the the heartfelt version of the there's an app for that campaign. Uh, what what do you think about it? No, I think you're right. And it actually was reminding me, do you remember which came first? Was it the Dead Poet Society one or the one during the holidays last year where there was the the teenager who everybody thought was ignoring everyone when he was actually making a movie? Yeah, I think that – I want to say that came first. I, I think so. And and it, that I think, if I recall correctly, was the start of the trend I noticed in Apple's ads where instead of focusing on the product or the you know the technology, they focused on what you can do with it. Because, you know, five years ago when the iPhone was still relatively new – they could get up in an ad and say, "Look at all the things our phone can do, and yours can't." And and you know that was that worked. But over the last few years, you know, Android phones and Windows phones, they all can do kind of the same things, right? In terms of technology, and what Apple's saying now is, "Okay, so we've got phones, you've got phones, we've got apps that you don't have, and these are the things you can do with them." And they're showing real-world uses of people taking their iPhone out, almost always with a third-party app, and showing specific things that are really cool that you can do with this. And then, of course, they're adding the, you know, the the sweet background music to make it <laughs> kind of have emotionally tug at you while they're showing you these things. But yeah, it seems to be focused a lot more lately on here's what you can do with an iPhone or an iPad. 
Yeah, it's very much focused on the people. Um, and I think it's actually interesting. I'm looking at Apple has a, a specific page for all of these all of these commercials, and they actually call them films, short films. Share the film. Explore the apps from the film. Um, and as we were noting before the podcast, uh, in for every film slash commercial, uh, there are a grid of apps that, that are shown and uh, little snapshots of the people using those apps. Um, so I'm looking at the film Strength, which is, I think, two two films, two commercials ago. Now they've got me using their lingo. Um, and it has little, you know, like a little shot of the seven-minute workout or someone running with Nike running, uh, a coach working using Me Coach Smart Ball. Um, and it's just, it's a really, uh, that's a, it's a really neat way to drive traffic to third-party apps, to the app store in general, and to really capture how people are using apps. I mean, you see the app store, I feel like, especially because there are so many programs in it nowadays, um, it's really easy to get bogged down and to feel like uh, there's no way to discover new apps or you're, you know, you're just stuck with the ones you have. Or maybe you just don't, you know, you, you think, oh, well, Nike running is really cool, but I just, I don't know if I'll ever do it. I don't know how to use it, etc. And Having uh, some physical representations, I think, is is really neat. It's like, oh, but did you think of using the camera app to act as a magnifying glass while you set a stone on your jewelry? No? Well, now you learn. <laughs> right. And, and I think it's also useful in that when Apple first started doing these, you can use an iPhone 4, meaning 4 as in a way to do it, uh, for X, Y, and Z. A lot of times people would watch this commercial and say, wait, what was that? I, I wish I knew. And you'd have sites on the web saying, we've figured out what all these apps are, and here they are. And Apple now is finally saying, hey, here's the ad. Here's all the apps that are in it. And in some ways, it's kind of like curation. They're saying, these are apps we recommend. These are cool apps. And it's really something I think they could do more often with apps on the App Store. We, we now have sort of editors' picks every once in a while uh, and you know, highlighted apps, featured apps each week. But it would be really great if Apple could take a more proactive role because, as you said, there's hundreds of thousands of these things. And if I'm looking for a workout app, I mean, there are literally thousands of workout apps. And trying to figure out which one to pick, you know, based on reviews, which are notoriously, you know, iffy, it would be great if Apple started doing this more often. Got rid of like the top selling apps because we all know those are a crock a lot of the times and said, these are the apps that we found that are great. Um, I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, actually, you know, it reminds me, um, it just sort of transitions really well into our next topic. Uh, but Apple's recent acquisition of Beats, one of the things that I love so much about the Beats Music subscription service is, and I've said this on previous podcasts, that um, the playlists are curated and they're designed in such a way to really sort of get at showcasing the kind of music that you want to listen to. Um, and, you know, you know that a person's behind that, right? You know that a person has has lovingly built this list of, of applications. And I think that's why people, you know, don't just go to the App Store and click on the top grossing apps. They do use third-party websites like our website, like iMore, like the suite setup to figure out what kind of apps they should be they should be downloading for workouts or for writing. Uh, because we like having sort of that human touch. We like 
knowing that someone has said, yes, this app is worth your time. This app is worth investigation. So part of me kind of hopes that, oh, maybe uh, maybe Beats will not just affect subscription music and headphones. Maybe maybe we'll actually get some of the, the Beats philosophy of – you know, building things um, and have it move into the store. And I know that there's there is some limited aspect of that. Like Apple has been building its own um, sort of app highlights and lists for a long time. And of course, they highlight certain apps on the store. But uh, really, you know, I wouldn't I would not be opposed to revamping the store. So it's almost entirely that and it's much more user centric. You know, you can say I like this kind of app. I dislike this kind of app. Show me apps that look like this. Right. No, that would be that would be great to be able to say these are the kind of things I like. I, you know, it's a little different with music because you can curate music and say if you like this song, chances are you'll like these other four similar songs. Whereas with apps, once you get a workout app, chances are you don't want five others that are kind of similar to it. So it's a it's it's a it's a bigger challenge. But you're right. It would be great if 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 Apple could find some way, whether it's better algorithms or really just hiring good app editors app or app store editors to say these are great apps um, and it would also I think put pressure on developers to to make better apps because right now you can make pardon the expression but a crappy app and if you do good marketing good keyword you know usage SEO enough fake reviews and you know enough things other than make a good app you can get high up on those top lists and be successful even if the app is bad. Uh, and so it would be great if there was actual really real people there who were curating these so that you couldn't just go and, and do the right, do the right marketing to get a successful app. You had to make a good app. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I hope, uh, I, I am really excited about Apple's current ad campaign and I kind of hope that, uh, that some app store changes, uh, relatedly come down the pipe. Um, before we go on to our next topic, we're going to break for a moment so I can talk a little bit by, about Citrix ShareFile. Most everyone who works online ends up sending countless emails to coordinate with our coworkers, clients, writers, what have you. But it's a pain to send big attachments, contracts, and even Macworld podcast files through traditional email systems. Instead, check out Citrix ShareFile. It solves the attachment problem for our business and yours and allows you to exchange files securely and quickly. Send attachments of almost any size as secure links. Control who can access them and what they can do with those files and access those attachments from anywhere at any time. You can even create shared folders that sync automatically across your computer and mobile devices. You can sign up today for a 30-day free trial with no obligation. Just go to sharefile.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in Macworld. That's sharefile.com, microphone at the top of the page, Macworld. Speaking of Beats, so it sounds like the acquisition is almost final. I believe it still has to be approved overseas, but here in the U.S. it's it's approved, if I remember correctly. Um, and so we got a lot of news of that last week, including that Apple is getting rid of uh, a number of people who worked at Beats who have overlapping jobs. Yeah, that's that's what we're hearing. Um, and it does look, yeah, I think um, the Beats deal was recently approved by European U Union regulators. Um, and, and from that, I think, brought the whole uh, Apple's little splash page, welcoming Beats to the family, which is all very cute. Um, but yeah, unfortunately... Um, when two companies merge, there are often casualties. And in this case, 
um, this you know the the loss of jobs didn't come on the creative or engineering side at least not uh, not according to nine to five max sources who's the the primary source that most people are reporting uh, regarding the the job loss uh, but those those two hundred odd jobs are actually coming from um, HR from customer support from things where Apple probably already has a decent number of people in those positions um, and their own infrastructure and their own way to you know organize that. Um, and unfortunately, those uh, those positions are relatively easy, easily eliminated when, when mergers or, or com- combinations happen. Um, so it's, it's really kind of a bummer for, for those people, especially if they've, you know, been enjoying their time and working, working at Beats. But also, you know, maybe, maybe it's not a bad, too bad of a thing, because, if they're working at, at Beats's uh, main headquarters in Los Angeles, you might not have wanted to move your entire life up to Cupertino just to work as an HR rep. Maybe there's, you know, plenty of other companies in Los Angeles. I'm trying to put a bright spin on this, but it's really, you know, I mean, I know that job losses happen when when acquisitions, you know, occur, but it's still, it's still kind of unfortunate. Yeah, although Apple did release a statement last week saying that. Yes, it's true. We did. We are going to have some job loss on on positions that overlap between the two companies, but we are going to make an effort to find the people whose jobs have been eliminated, permanent positions within Apple. So, you know, the, some of those people are going to get an opportunity to stay, and like you said, others I'm sure are probably just going to say, "Hey, you know what? I'm not going to move. I'm staying <laughs> down here. I'll find something else." So, so I don't like the I five corridor all that much. <laughs> So it's, yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, I think that you know it's a tough situation, but it's, it's bound to happen. At least Apple seems to be saying, "Hey, we'll see what we can do for them." Yeah, and I appreciate that. I mean, I don't think again, Apple. You know, Apple is a company, and they have to think about profit margins and all of that, and and employees' uh, size. But uh, at the same time, they're not they're not heartless. You know, I'm sure the people who who are you know getting cut and don't have an, another position or a place with an Apple are getting nice severance packages. You know they're not they're not they're not big old mean company overlords. Um, and on that note, on the sort of hiring firing um, angle, it there's also a report that came out that says that uh, Beats's former CEO Ian Rogers is going to take over the iTunes Radio project and. Again, this piqued my interest because I love Beats music dearly and I really don't want to see it go away. Um, But I'm not really sure how Apple's going to juggle two subscription services. Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that too. I mean, right now I've been trying to, to listen to iTunes radio a lot more recently. And while you can go in and create your own stations, I've been listening a lot to the stock stations, which are very repetitive. I mean, if you listen to a station now and you come back in three weeks, it's pretty similar. Not much has changed. Uh, and they they just, like you, I I really am a big fan of the Beats services curation. I mean, the, the, the playlists and the channel stations, whatever you would like to call them, they're actually really good. And like you said, they feel like somebody who knows a particular genre or type of music has sat down and said, I'm going to make a great playlist. Whereas with iTunes music or excuse me, iTunes radio, sometimes it just feels like, hey, what are the top 
20 alternative songs right now. Let's just put them in there on repeat. So I think it's it's great. I mean, I think it'd be great if the guy from who runs Beach, Beach Music comes over and gives iTunes Radio some new life and a little more curation. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I am all for iTunes Radio getting some improvements because goodness knows it needs it, like you said. I just wonder how long they're going to try and keep them on separate paths. You know, if they do, if they are incorporating Beats engineering staff um, and the music, I mean, they are keeping an office open in Los Angeles, and I think that's where most of the music subscription stuff is still happening. So it may be that they really are just trying to run them as two separate, you know, independent subscription services. But it just seems like they're eating each other's. They're going to be eating each other's market share, unless unless Ian Rogers is being brought in to like retune iTunes Radio as something completely different. Right, and, and it's confusing to users too because if Beats Radio ends up being an Apple brand, an Apple brand with with a different name or whatever, or even if it stays Beats Radio, you've got customers saying, "So wait, do I subscribe to this one or that one? I've got iTunes. I've got iTunes Match. Does that mean I now get Beats Radio?" And maybe there are. To Apple, clear answers to these questions, but to the users, it's a little confusing right now. Yeah, I mean that's a great point about Match and and radio and everything else. Um, where you know I currently subscribe to iTunes Match for my music collection, but I also subscribe to Beats Music. Um, and I was just thinking, you know, this is really silly having multiple versions from the same of, company. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I really. I really hope that this gets resolved, but I don't want it resolved in a way that destroys Beats Music. Right, right. I really hope this gets resolved my way. <laughs> I hope that Ian Rogers takes Beats Music and maybe repackages it as iTunes Radio. Um, and iTunes Radio just, you know, gets flushed down the toilet. Well, that, that's my that's ideal the world. <laughs> I mean, is, is there a reason to keep iTunes Music around if Beats Music – excuse me, iTunes Radio – if Beats Music becomes the new you know music service? Because – iTunes Match and iTunes Radio are even now almost completely independent of one another. There's really not much overlap other than if you have an iTunes Match subscription, you don't have to listen to ads. I mean, there's, there's, it's not like by killing iTunes Radio, iTunes Match suddenly becomes something different. So I could conceivably see Apple saying Beach Radio is, where we're, is our, our way forward, whether it's keeping it separately as that name or – turning it into iTunes radio and as a replacement for it. I mean, it, I, I can see them doing that. I honestly don't. If someone says to me, Oh, they're going to keep both. I'm kind of like, why, why, why do you need to do that? Yeah. There's no real point to keep both. At least not that I can tell. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, which, which ends up being the victor. I mean, having, having Ian Rogers there to kind of oversee iTunes radio makes me, happy that at least maybe it will contain the same elements as Beats. Or maybe just Apple throws it out whole hog and says, you know what? Beats is our music title going forward. Right. Beats, maybe Beats it means by Apple. Yeah, exactly. Beats by Apple. And iTunes is dismantled. And I'm living in a happy fantasy world at this point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, iTunes, you bloated, lovely bloated piece of software. Speaking of which, um, um, I, we've, we have seen some um, iTunes... 12 betas in the wild. We haven't personally, true. but we've seen them on the web. They exist. They exist. Theoretically. <laughs> and um, from what we've seen, it's... Um, I, I, have you have you seen the, the screenshots? To me, it's another few steps that 
And it's a continuation of what we've seen in the most recent versions of iTunes, where they're trying to make it simpler. They're getting rid of sidebars and separate playlists. And um, I've heard from my friends who are sort of hardcore iTunes users that it's going farther from them and more towards the, oh, look, everyone has their 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 single window with everything they need. Yeah, well, that's that's interesting, right? Because I feel like the hardcore iTunes users might be the only people who are still using iTunes. And ever, I mean, I, I still use iTunes to play music that I own, but I don't keep it open the way that I used to. Instead, it's almost always like a Chrome window with Beats in it, or you know, streaming something off of SoundCloud. That's a great. That's a great point. Now that I, I use iTunes. It's on all the time for me, but that's because I have a huge library in it. But you're right. I mean, of the people I know who are sort of, for lack of a better term, modern day music listeners, I don't know how many of them actually use iTunes to listen to music anymore. Yeah, and it's it's funny. I um, a a, a tidbit that a friend of mine told me years ago uh, kind of sticks in my head, where he's like. I never play music on the same computer that I'm working on. He was an artist, so he, you know, drew. And he's like, I always do put it on a separate computer or like just have my iPod hooked up into a speaker because it slows down the computer so much and it makes it impossible for me to to use <laughs> to to do my work. Um, and I laughed at at him a little bit, but uh, but it's true. iTunes has kind of become so bloated that anytime I open it, I instantly like cringe because i know it will slow down my computer that's why you never done, you know. quit it you just always keep it running <laughs> you just let it accumulate more and more virtual memory until it explodes yeah i mean obviously itunes has some has some uses and i have seen those new screenshots and i they have to balance it right they have to figure out a way more more and more creeping into into this you know handoff continuity world where music on the iPhone needs to look like music on uh, on the Mac, and who knows? Maybe we'll maybe iTunes will decouple, and we'll see like music and movies, etc. Um, it's not going to happen this time around, clearly, because we've seen the iTunes right. twelve right. beta. But it, I mean, it may be a harbinger of things to come. You know? Well, you know, it's interesting because this really is. It's another example of a, of of a. A dilemma Apple faces across almost all of its products, which is that Apple's goal is almost universally to make things simpler and easier and more reliable for the average user, whether it's making a simpler photos app that handles a bunch of photos for your typical user without all the bells and whistles of a pro photographer or iTunes for music or the app store and iTunes management of apps for you know, people with iOS devices. I mean, what almost anything that you pick from Apple, that's been their approach. Let's make it simpler and easier. But the best Apple customers in terms of the ones who spend the most money, the ones who are the most, you know, loyal and so on, they're the ones that have the most music and the most photos and the most apps and want the most features and the most organizational options. And so Apple's basically got this this dilemma on almost every product area where the people who are the most loyal and 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 most consuming in terms of consuming the most uh, content uh, customers are the ones who want the most features but they're the ones who are least likely to get those because Apple's trying to 
make their stuff for the average appeal user. To, right. Yeah, appeal to all ages right. and all And, and iTunes is the perfect example of this, whether it's to do with music and music management or app management. You know, If you've got more than a few hundred apps, iTunes is pretty bad at managing them. Uh, and meanwhile, there are people who have thousands of apps because they buy them tons of them every week. And they're great customers for Apple. They spend tons of money, but Apple doesn't really make solutions for those people. So it's a dilemma Apple's facing across their product lines. Yeah. And, you know, sending things into iCloud helps, certainly. I know that my app library became unmanageable on my Mac. And so I just ended up deleting everything and just trusting that, you know, um, well, I'm just going to pray that all of my apps stay on the App Store and I can re-download them from the Purchase tab because having backups of all of them was just... It was eating up so much space on my hard drive. Well, and then people do that with iTunes Match. They take that approach too. But then if yep. you've got over 25,000 things. Right. If you lose things or if you have over 25,000 tracks, which seems like a lot, but I know tons of people, especially ones who had big CD libraries back when and, and ripped them all, who have way more than that. You know, Kirk McElhern, who is our iTunes guy columnist, I think he has like 75,000 tracks or something like that. Um, so what, yeah, I mean, once you're once you're a, a real power user of these kind of features, then Apple solutions just don't don't fit anymore. So, um, you know, it's I understand why Apple does it. I, I they're clearly going for the ease of use and the typical consumer rather than the power, you know, users. But um, they they do risk alienating some of their best customers. And the iTunes twelve beta screenshots that are out there aren't getting the greatest reception from. Serious users. No, not so much at all. Well, we'll see how that all shakes out um, and whether or not iTunes 12, the beta, you know, gets a little a little different. We may, you know, Apple's traditionally use the September, October events to talk about music in addition to talking about iPhones and iPads and iPods. So we may, you know, we may see a little bit more in that area um, towards the end of, you know, towards the fall, the end of this year. Uh, but until then... We'll, we'll just wait for the next round of screenshots. Um, and before we go on, I'd like to talk a little bit about lynda.com. lynda.com is a fantastic video resource to help you learn new skills in software, improve your talents, and keep up with current technology. They offer over 2,400 courses taught by industry experts, including our very own Chris Breen, with new courses added weekly. They even have a new iOS app, so you can learn on the go. Currently, I'm learning about the science of logo design and creating a fixed layout EPUB. For just $25 a month, you can get access to the entire lynda.com library. But we've got a special offer for our Macworld listeners that gets you seven days of unlimited access for free. Just visit lynda.com slash Macworld to start your free seven-day trial. That's l-y-n-d-a dot com forward slash Macworld. Okay, so the final thing I wanted to talk about a little bit today, since I have you on the podcast, Dan Frakes, and you can't escape, um, is the Yosemite public beta came out, You're, which means that you, you, you finally let uh, months of hard work show up on the internet with your, your super install guide and, and external boot drives and all of that stuff. And Well, we only did the – since it's just a beta, we only did the – install uh, bootable installer drives but so we're, we're going to be doing a lot more <laughs> that's true once the final version comes out yes but uh for now that's just a it, that was our taste of 
What's to come? Our teaser article, if you will. Well, it still feels like you did lots and lots of work on on just that one. And I can't even imagine how much prep work you're doing on the rest of them. Well, we just, yeah, I mean, it's every year we do the, we do our installation guide, which talks about the, the final guide. We'll talk about, you know, what you should do before installing and how to install and different options for installing and this and that. Um, for the beta, since it's not really widely used and because, of course, things can change between now and when the final version is released, we just did the article on to create a bootable installer drive, which is especially useful for a beta operating system because it gives you something to fall back on. If you have problems, you need to to you know, boot from another drive and do some repair work and or if you need to install it on multiple machines you're testing. So so it made sense to release that now. And uh it, it's funny because Apple did make changes between the the previous developer release or preview and the beta. So um I- imagine a situation where a publication had to use a developer preview, which of course would be under NDA so they couldn't talk about it. And 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 spent a good amount of time testing on this developer preview, and then a public version came out that was very different in some ways. So so that could have happened. Could have hypothetically. Yes. Hypothetically right. happened and causing certain hypothetical editors, crazy day. yeah, to run around retesting everything and writing new parts of articles. Right, and or deleting entire parts that. Might have been there before because of bugs. Yeah, know, just theoretical. All kinds of theoretical yeah. problems that we we don't have yes. in the real world. Certainly not. Right. Uh, but yeah, I am. I haven't gotten a chance to try out the uh, the Yosemite public beta because it is. Uh, it was very slowly uh, downloading when I when it first was released, and I I didn't have the time to kind of prod my computer and have my bandwidth all get sucked up. So I so I waited on it, um, and now. You know, hearing various bugs from around the internet, like maybe I will wait. It's a yeah, beta. Yeah, it is a beta. Exactly, it's a beta. There are plenty of things. I I already currently have beta experience on you know two of my five devices uh, for on the you know iOS side. So I don't want to necessarily run every computer and every device I own on beta software because that might be a little insane. Um, so well, and that's one of the things that. That we tried when we were, we did our our insulation guy, uh, article. We also did our frequently asked questions, what you need to know. And one of the things I think, as a staff, we've been trying to emphasize to people is that this is a beta. Just because you can install, doesn't it, mean you should. Hmm. Doesn't mean you should. Uh, I mean, it's it's a beta. It's it's early. It's not going to be final for another few months at least. And there are tons of bugs in it. It's you know, it's for a beta release. It's actually not bad, but. It's it is buggy and use it for a day and you'll find things that just don't work or parts of the OS that don't seem to to be doing what they're supposed to be doing and services that aren't yet enabled. So so if you haven't installed it yet and you're thinking about it, remember, it's a beta. You should have a you should have a different computer to test it on or at least a different hard drive. Don't install it on your main Mac uh, if you want to get any work done. Um, So because it is still in progress. Yes, very much so. And. You know, at some point, I think I will install it probably on a partition on my hard drive because I, you know, for for our job, it would be nice to know certain certain aspects of the the beta, especially as we get closer and closer to the final release. Um, but in you know, there's a lot of it's a very very different looking OS from previously, and of course, 
Jason Snell had hands-on time with some of the earlier developer previews, so he talked at length about the various things that you can find, including you know dark mode, uh, which I personally am a little excited about because I you know I like <laughs> I like dark windows um, and you know flatter iOS seven esque textures. Is there anything in particular in Yosemite that you're really really looking forward to, Dan? Well, well, the biggest things I'm looking forward to are the things Apple's really been pushing, which are the integration between iOS and OS ten, where you know, like continuity and those kind of things where it makes it easier to, to pick the right device for a particular task and to move between devices as you're working. So those are the things I'm really looking forward to because um, I I use, I've got an iPhone, an iPad, and a Mac that I'm using constantly throughout the day. And for the last few years, that has meant, you know, sending URLs from one to the other or finding weird ways to copy files so that I have access on multiple devices and just being able to to smoothly move between devices multiple times throughout the day is going to be a huge benefit for me. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, I'm a little sad because I think my, my little 11-inch Air is too old to support continuity. Uh, they haven't released officially any any guidelines about what systems will work, but uh, but I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm only going to be limited to my Mac, my iMac on that, and that makes me a little, a little depressed. But um, all of that said, I think continuity is one of the the biggest, uh, most game changing features that's coming. Right, in. like a- AirDrop between a Mac and an iOS device. It's huge. I mean, that, right, I'd like pay money for that one feature <laughs> right now. Right. Right. Um, yeah, you know, what's funny is that they are actually – people are already starting to release utilities, like third-party utilities for it. And I bring this up because you mentioned dark mode. Um, there's already a beta of a utility that automatically switches between light mode and dark mode depending on the time of day. Oh, that's so as, neat. As it gets, so it gets later in the day, it changes to dark mode. And it, it's kind of like a mini version of Flux, which is a utility that changes your your the gamma settings on your monitor throughout the day so that – at night, when you're in artificial light, the, the 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 display is darker with color that's more like artificial. Yeah, you know, so it, it's kind of like a mini version of that, but just for dark mode light versus mode. light mode, which is kind of cool. That's really neat. You know, I used Flux for a little bit, but uh, the as I would do a lot of graphics work at like two in the yeah, morning, that's, and <laughs> that's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. very yellow whites, uh, but right. it is hmm. no, it's fantastic. I use it on my Mac, but like you said. There'll be times when I'm I go to an online site to shop for something and it's like eleven o'clock at night and I look at something and I'm like, those are weird colors. And then I realize it's because flux is on. I have to turn it off and after I am blinded for a few seconds, I realize, oh, that's the color you want. But but for just in terms of keeping your eyes comfortable and, and using a computer late at night in artificial light, it's actually brilliant utility. It's excellent. Um well with that, I think unless there's anything else you really wanna talk about, Dan. Not that I can think of. We covered a, a we lot. We did. We did. Um, I think then we will wrap up this episode of the Macworld podcast. Thank you very much for being my special guest host. Um, Anytime. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to have you. Um, and listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode. Chris Breen will be back next week, and he and I will talk about the latest and greatest in the uh, Mac community. Until then, have a lovely week. And that's it. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Macworld Podcast brought to you by Citrix ShareFile and Lynda.com. 
If you have any comments or questions for me, Dan Frakes, or Chris Breen, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you next week.